Hey, welcome to a Zion People podcast. I am Keelan, an intern at Zion Church, and this is our latest message. The team here hope the message challenges you, inspires you, but most of all, builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to week three of The Way of Faith. I hope you're enjoying the series. Uh, week one, we talked about Abraham. Week two, we talked about Abel. And if you haven't seen those messages, I encourage you to go back and look at the YouTube this week we're talking about Gideon. Before, before we really get into it, what I'd like to do is uh, see what people think. The average man on the street thinks about what faith is and whether they remember who Gideon is. So let's have a look at those videos now. So we just really want to know what you, how, or how you would define faith. So what is faith? Faith is believing something and then you can't Excellent. Um, and have you heard of a guy called Gideon from the Bible? Yep. What can you tell us about Gideon? Um, I can't remember, but I know Gideon. Okay, can't remember anything about um, him? Faith for me is believing in something that you can't see, but you know in your heart that it's, that it's there, something's there. Yep. yep. Awesome. And have you heard of someone in the Bible called Gideon? Called who? Gideon. Yes. Yeah? And do you know anything about him? No, not really. Yeah. Um, so do you know what faith is and yeah. how would you define it? 
thing that faith is something that you would like in terms of what you believe in. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's more of this. Yeah. Alright, and do you know who Gideon is? No, I don't. No. Oh, yeah. Cool, thanks. How would you define faith? Pretty good. Faith is good? Yeah. Yeah. How would you explain faith to somebody else? Um, yeah, pretty hard. And in some cases, some people accept it pretty easy. Depends on the type of people. How would you define faith? How would you define faith? <laughs> okay. Without doubt. Believing in something without doubt, cool. Anyone else? Yeah, I think the same. Believing in something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Gideon? Have you ever heard of, of Gideon from the Bible? No. No. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you tell me anything about him? No, I just like just the name's familiar. So. Faith is trust. Trust in someone or something. Trust in someone else. Uh, faith is being uh, sure of, of things that we can't see. Lots of really great definitions for what faith is. And as we tackle the story of Gideon in Judges 6, I want to discover another look at faith. And as we started this uh, sermon series, we really thought about Gideon as being an example of victory. If we look in that at Judges 7, at the end of the story, the 300 men who rushed down and and beat their, uh, beat their sticks and blow their trumpets, uh, won a great victory against the Midianites. And yet that's not where the story starts. If you have your Bible handy or your device, uh, if you're not looking at uh, the video on the screen, uh, join me in Judges chapter 6, uh, where we are introduced to Gideon. You see, Gideon doesn't start out as the guy who's going to bring a great, great victory. In fact, Gideon is uh, hiding himself in a wine press uh, uh, to hide himself from the Midianites as he's threshing the wheat. If you remember back in our Ruth series, we talked about the threshing floor being on a on a saddleback between two uh, two hills, where the wind would blow uh, and uh, separate the chaff from the wheat. And yet here we have Gideon trying to thresh wheat inside a wine press. No wind, uh, but of course he's not going to be standing on a hill inside of the Midianites. So Gideon is a man who's just going about his business, uh, but perhaps living in fear. And in Joshua, uh, sorry, Judges uh, chapter 6, we have the angel of the Lord appearing in verse 12. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, that word from the Lord, and that you, you've got to say that's going to stir up faith. And yet, what's Gideon's response? He says, Well, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the land of Midian. So Gideon's first response when uh, God turns up is, hey, what the heck have you been doing? And of course, God's uh, response in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? A specific word from the Lord that Gideon will be the one that will rescue the people uh, from the Midianites. Now, that's a great story, and if we skip the rest of the rest of the uh, uh, story all the way through to chapter seven, we go, "Hey, Gideon wins a great battle, and we're all good." 
the problem is that that's not the story. We've got a whole section in between. And what I want to talk about today is the fact that faith is trust. Faith is acting on that promise. Faith is a belief and, uh, and saying that I believe in something and therefore I'm going to act accordingly. But the story of Gideon is time and time again, Gideon saying, hey, yes, I believe you, Lord, but I'm not really sure. Uh, so perhaps you can help me out a little bit more. As we read through, uh, just in the, from verse 15 on, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How do you feel? Do you feel like you're the weakest? Do you feel that God's asking you to do something that you just can't do? Well, you're not alone. Gideon was in that place. He's basically saying to God, God, you've picked the wrong guy. You know, that journey of faith that we have, that way of faith, is often we talk about those great victories. Um, and in week five, we're going to be talking about those people who didn't actually see their promises fulfilled, those people who had faith and yet didn't receive uh, what they thought they were going to. But oftentimes when God speaks and we're, we're encouraged to step out in faith and to do something, uh, there's one thing that creeps up on us, and that's doubt. Did we really hear God correctly? Are we the sort of person that God wants to use? Maybe God made a mistake. Maybe he, he was supposed to knock on the guy next door um, and not you. And Gideon had those problems. You can just imagine he's got the angel of the Lord standing there and he says to himself, hey, is it, am I dreaming? Have I been out in the hot sun too long? Uh, is this something that's really real? And so he says to the Lord, he says, well, you wait here and I'm going to go and prepare a sacrifice. And you sort of think of Gideon rushing in, inside and, and uh, uh, you know, preparing the sacrifice and all the while thinking, you know, by the time I get out there, he'll probably be gone. And that'll be it for another day. Another day something to tell, tell the boys around the fire uh, a bit later on. And so Gideon has his first test. He says, well, you stay here. I'll prepare a sacrifice. Um, and when he comes back out, the angel is still there. Hmm. Now, we've got to really uh, start to question now, well, maybe somebody's playing a prank on me, he thinks. Um, so we'll just make sure that this really is the Lord. And if we go down to uh, verse 20, uh, uh, Gideon's really asking for more proof. Well, the angel of the Lord turned up, said that he is the angel of the Lord, and Gideon's like, well, are you really? I need some more proof. So he says to the angel, he says, hey, tell, tell, tell you what, I'll offer the sacrifice, but you need to consume it with fire. Just to prove that, you know, hey, we're all above board. And in verse 20, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so, and then the angel of the Lord touched the meat, and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Well, you've got to say that's pretty convincing proof. Right there, the, the, uh, the offering is consumed. The angel of the Lord disappears in front of his eyes. Uh, Gideon's got to be now a man who's seen the miracle. Surely, he's going to be a man of faith. Doubt at this point should be gone. And yet, how often does doubt creep up in our lives? Yes, if we carry on with the story, uh, Gideon tests God a number of times. We carry on in verse 6 after, after the success of taking, around the, taking down the temples of, uh, of Baal, the, the uh, altars that were set up, uh, chopping down the Asherah poles, being defended by his dad. Uh, good on your dad for stepping in there and helping Gideon out in that situation. Uh, and then we have uh, Gideon saying, okay, uh, there's a promise here. I'm supposed to be doing something. God, are you still with me? Now, probably the most well-known story of Gideon is this 
idea of laying out a fleece. And in fact, in Christian circles today, we use that same terminology. Uh, we say to people, well, if it's really, if you want confirmation from the Lord, just lay out a fleece. And that's what Gideon does at the end of, uh, of chapter 6. He says, you know, God, I know you've, you've had this proof in the, uh, in the past, but I just really want to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly. I just really want to make sure uh, that you are who you say you are. So if we look down in verse 36, God said, Gideon says to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, okay, it's a good start, Gideon, you know, God's promised something, yes, okay, if you do that, well, how about we do this little test first? Look, I'll place a wool fleece on the threshing floor, if there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next morning. He went out and looked at the fleece. And just as, uh, as he had said, he squeezed the fleece out and he wrung out about a bowl full of water. And the rest of the ground was dry. Now for you or I, we might say, hey, definite proof. God is in the, in the plan. Uh, faith should arise. That promise that God has uh, that Gideon is going to act on, that's what he's going to do. Gideon goes, well, hey, hey maybe, we'll, uh, maybe that was just coincidence. Maybe we'll try that again. And so he does the second test, and this time he wants the reverse. He wants the fleece to be dry, and he wants the ground to be wet. Uh, and God graciously accepts that. Many times we look at the scripture and, and, and come to this point point. we say, hey, where was Gideon's faith? Where was Gideon's trust in what God had said? God had promised. God has... Uh, given him signs and wonders and miracles that he can see and still Gideon is not stepping out. He's not trusting the promise. He's not a hundred percent convinced and oftentimes we can hear scriptures uh, or, or sermons where people have said well that's not what faith looks like and yet for many of us that, that's exactly what faith looks like. Faith looks like doubt in the beginning. In fact faith looks like moving forward and stepping and trusting in the promise even when we have doubts. Now I know Jesus says in, in Mark that if you have no doubts, uh, then you'll be able to say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and, and it will be. And yet we have in this story a very natural thing uh, for doubt to creep in. And what I really think this speaks of is this, the grace of God. You see, God knows that we're humans. God knows that we're imperfect beings. God knows that we have these doubts and we wrestle with them, that God is, uh, that we're not perfect, that God is asking us to do something often when we step out in faith that's outside of our comfort zone. He knows that. And God is gracious to, to bring himself to the place to demonstrate to us exactly what it is that we need to do. He wants to show us himself so that we will trust him. Now, in this case, case uh, God is not going to say, well, Gideon, I'll show you how the Midianites are defeated and then you'll be able to go out and defeat the Midianites. No. God is asking for a small belief, a trust uh, in, uh, in something small so that then Gideon can go on and do something large. At this point, many people would think, well, come on, Gideon, you know, enough's enough. You've seen it all. You've seen these miracles. And yet, uh, even as we move through the story, uh, Gideon still has doubts and God is still gracious. The last test of faith that Gideon has in, in, is in chapter 7. Uh, where uh, he's, he's got his 300 men, God has removed uh, most of the people who were going to come and, and help Gideon. So God wanted to demonstrate that this victory was going to be by his hand. Sure, 
Gideon was there to lead the army. Uh, but what an army it was, starting with 32,000 men. And, uh, and Gideon says, okay, so uh, anybody, who's uh, God said, anybody who's afraid should leave and, and 10,000 people disappear. I mean, that's got to give you a boost of confidence right there. Ten, a third of your army disappears because they're afraid and Gideon's probably thinking, well, I'm afraid, can I go home too? Then God says, well, there's still too many. And so he wants to uh, cut down the numbers even more. And he, Gideon is left with 300 men uh, when the whole process is done. It's like, this is going up against an army that looks like a swarm of locusts along the valley floor. Now, you've got to say that uh, Gideon, by this stage, has seen God moving. Uh, God's been with him. Uh, he's put out the call. All these men have responded. He's, he's done exactly what God has said. And in, a verse, uh, in Judges chapter 7, in verse uh, 9, Gideon needs some more. And this time, Gideon doesn't ask for the proof. This time, Gideon's not the one who says, Hey God, if you do this, I'll believe you. But rather, God in his grace says to Gideon, He says, Now, the camp of the Midian lay below him in the valley during the night. The Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura, and listen to what they are saying. And afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So Gideon's faith, uh, faith journey has been one of disbelief all through the story. And here we have is the night before the attack, and God saying to him, look, I realize that you may still be afraid. You may still believe that this isn't going to turn out well for you. There's 300 men going up against thousands. How on earth is this going to happen? And so God actually initiates that, uh, that confidence building step and says, hey, if you want something further, some further proof, some further encouragement, I'm going to give it to you. And the story, of course, that Gideon goes down and he hears some men over, uh, he overhears some men as they're talking in the camp, uh, talking about this. Uh, this word that Gideon, the, the man of God, this mighty warrior that we saw back in chapter 6, is going to overcome, is going to destroy them. And of course Gideon's encouraged. Uh, God lays out the battle plan for what Gideon and his men are supposed to do. And we get to the victory. We get to the resounding point where Gideon has, has done everything that he's needed to do and, and it's finished. And yet when we look at that journey, we see disbelief. We see checking with God. We see doubt. We see action even when there's still doubt. And oftentimes our journey of faith is just that. Is God asking you to step into something? Well, what do we do about that? Do we just say no because I don't believe or do we ask God to help us in our unbelief? Let's look at how Jesus would deal with this situation. When we look at the Old Testament and we see how God moves and we see uh, you know, God's spirit is with Gideon and it, and it falls on uh, people uh, in diff different ways. But let's look at a similar story in uh, Mark chapter 9. This is a story of the, of the man who wants to have his son healed. And um, this, uh, this boy is possessed by an impure spirit. And the, uh, the man in the crowd, and we're looking at Mark chapter 9, starting verse 17, and the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I bought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And he goes on to explain the issue, and he, and he says that uh, the people have, he's asked the disciples to drive out the spirit, but they're unable to. 
And of course, Jesus in verse 19, Mark chapter 9, verse 19 says, You unbelieving generation, how shall, long shall I stay with you? And you've sort of got this impression that uh, he's a little bit put out that the disciples were unable to do this. And yet, when we get to the end of the story, that there seems to be something different going on. Uh, in verse 24, after Jesus, uh, uh, sorry, just a little bit before that, there's this conversation. Jesus asked the boy's father in verse 21, how long has he been like this? And the, the boy's father answers, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus latches on to that statement there in verse 23, says, if you can, if you can. You know, there's that if you can expression to the Son of God is an expression of disbelief. And Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Now, you might say at this point that Jesus is quite, would be quite within his rights to say, well, you don't have faith, and therefore you're not going to see the healing that you're looking for. And yet Jesus goes on. Oh, sorry, the boy's father goes on and he says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now doesn't that echo what Gideon says? Well, I, I do believe, or, or even I do want to believe, but help me in my unbelief. The uh, Good News translation actually goes uh, that step further and says that I desire in my heart to believe that my head is really not catching up. I want to believe that this is possible, but I need more. Remember, we talked some time ago that faith comes from God so that we can have faith in God. So a lack of faith is not something we, could, we say, look, I have a lack of faith in end of the story, end of the road, it's all over from there. But rather, if we have a lack of faith, God is encouraging us to say, come to him and, and ask for more. The, the man's father, oh, sorry, the boy's father says, I do believe. I have a, a small amount of faith, but it's not enough. I need more faith. Where can I get that from? And Jesus, uh, Jesus actually heals the boy. And you've got to say that Jesus uses the faith of the man. He gives him what the man asked for, which is more faith to bring about the healing of the boy. And that's really about, that really is the journey of faith, the walk of faith, the way of faith. Sometimes we come up against things uh, that are beyond our measure of faith, the Bible tells us. Every person is given a measure of faith. And yet sometimes we're struck with situations that's beyond our measure of faith. In those situations, God encourages us to come to the source of our faith to get more faith for the situation. That's the way of faith. So for you today, if you're feeling like you're being asked to do something by God uh, that's beyond your capacity, that's beyond your ability to believe, then go to him for more faith. If God has asked you to do something and you say, I don't have faith for that, then go to God and, uh, and ask him for more faith. As we've talked about, the, uh, the, we've talked to people on the street this week about what their definition of faith is, uh, we're also encouraged to share our faith with others. What is your faith journey? What is your testimony of God giving you a promise and you stepping into that promise and seeing God uh, bring about the miracle, bring about the outcome that he promised in the first place? The challenge this week, uh, as we go through our series, the challenge is to put 
effort into your faith and to actually walk in that way of faith. And the challenge this week is to actually share uh, with one person every day this week your faith. Now, sharing your faith is not about necessarily saying this is how you get saved, but sharing your faith is a testimony of that journey. Imagine Gideon's testimony. God came to me, I didn't really believe, so I asked God to help me with my unbelief. And God did. On numerous occasions, all the way through until the victory came. Imagine the, the boy's father's testimony. You know, I thought that the disciples could heal, but really God was asking me to be part of that equation. And when I asked God for more faith, he gave it to me. And your testimony uh, to share your faith with, with people is to talk about the steps in your faith journey. What are the things that you've done that has stepped forward into a promise? And when you share your doubts, and when you share your fears, and you share how those have been overcome, people will really resonate with that because they'll realize, hey, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a person of, of no doubts at all to be able to walk in the way of faith. Uh, my prayer is that you'll be encouraged to step out in faith in some way, but also to share that faith, that step of faith with other people. Have a blessed week. Uh, the, the information for the devotion can be found on our, on our Facebook page. Uh, there should be a link with the video. Uh, and uh, you can go through and, and uh, do the devotion and study a little bit more about the life of Gideon. Uh, if you are having trouble with that, please contact the church office. We'd, be love, uh, we'd love to get you a copy. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you all on the 22nd. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our message and it inspired you. Stay connected and get amongst our family. Find us on Facebook, YouTube or our app. We are Zion people.